To stay on top in business, stay on top of your technology with the new Business Desk podcast, the business of tech. Listen on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. I've met Ryan. The Insider's Guide to the Capital's Housing and Rental Scene. Hot Property on News Talks NB's Wellington Mornings. I've been joined by Matt Ryan. We're talking hot property. 0800 80 1080 is the phone number. You can call and ask him any questions you want about property, uh, any questions you want about renting and renting deals. He told us about the uh, the new, uh, well, it wasn't new, but the agreement that you could actually get off the internet last week if you actually have a flatmate and get them to sign it so you knew everybody knows what the rules are. Uh, good morning, Matt. Oh, good morning, Nick. Uh, and the text number is 9292 if you'd like to text and ask a question. Uh, what's going on, Matt? What's the latest? What's what, what's exciting you this morning? What's What's got you out of bed and fired you up this morning? I'm probably coming to see you, Nick. That's got oh, me out of bed and fired God. me up. Oh. But look, we, yeah, we're in, in interesting times at the moment. I noticed that the, um, uh, the, the Swiss, the Swiss um, a bank dro- uh, shares dropped by about 25% the last few days. So there's a lot of turmoil in the world now, but I guess I go back to my default position that wealth is made during uncertain times, and if you've got the fortitude to swim against the tide, whether it be in property or other investments, then you'll you'll look back at this time, and I'm sure you'll do exceedingly well. If you can borrow the money. Oh, of course, yes. Yep, it's all about borrowing the money, but, you know, for a lot of people, it's not, it, it is borrowing the money, but also people have to have that mindset that they're, it's very easy to do uh, the sheep mentality and do what everybody else is doing, which is basically take cover at the moment. If you've got the ability and you've got a little bit of extra money, then now is a great time to invest in whatever you think is, uh, or whatever floats your boat. 0800 80 1080, if you'd like to ask Matt Ryan, our resident property expert, anything about property, absolutely anything. He's, he'll have an answer. He's got most, uh, he's got all sorts of different sorts of property, commercial and uh, domestic and all sorts of stuff. So he could tell you and give you advice. 0800 80 1080 Matthew, I read that uh, a new Plymouth couple has made the news after waiting six years for their undercut property to be fixed. Firstly, what does undercut mean? I think it's where someone's come along and effectively dug into some of the land, which has maybe destabilised their house, is what I'd take from that. Um, and look, these sorts of things happen every now and then. And then, of course, what tends to happen is the maybe the engineer or the people that have done the work and the council all run for cover. And sometimes you get these sorry situations that literally fall between the, the, the gaps in the floorboards and you've got a, a couple who uh, find themselves unwittingly in a position where nobody wants to take responsibility. Now, this happened to me. This happened to me in my property that I'm in right now. The next-door neighbour developed the property extensively, like crazy. It was a little cottage and made it into a mansion. Built built a brick wall on the, on his boundary. Over, way over the limit, way over the height. So when I look out my back window now, I look at a brick wall. Went to the council, they said, yeah, it's illegal, we'll fix it. Ten years later, it's still there. Yeah, well, look, it's not, as I said, it's not uncommon. Common. I'm actually involved in one at the moment. I've got a property in uh, Pretoria Road, and two houses down from me, there was an enormous slip a few weeks ago, and it took out the storage line that 
um, services both my property and the property next door. It transpires that um, there is never any easement put across that property to put the, the sewerage pipes in, and the owner of that property, who's owned it for 40 years, claims he, he no, didn't realise that they were there, and he doesn't want the sewerage pipes running back through his property. So he's had an enormous slip. What's transpired is that the owner next door who lives in the property has had to move out because, of course, there's no running water and no sewerage. My property's actually vacant at the moment. I'm just doing a little bit of um, renovation works before I rent it back out. But the council seem to be unsure as to what the best course is or exactly how to handle it. So there are these pockets with property, and I guess, um, you know, this is something we've got to get used to where um, often there's just no real clear... Uh, path through. You've just got to work and navigate as best you can. So what happens in that situation? Who has to fix it? Uh, well, look, my belief is that it's uh, the, possibly the responsibility, well, I think it's myself. I've got to pay for it. The next door neighbour's got to pay for it because it's a, a slip for our sewage pipes. Um, uh, the land's obviously owned by somebody further along and we've just got to work out with the council whether it's feasible still to run our sewage pipes across that land or whether there's an, a better way to run it down to maybe Karaka Bay, and I, I don't know the answer, but I think everyone needs to take some joint responsibility, as is often the case in these things. Okay, got a couple of questions on the text machine. Hi, Matt. I bought a house with my sister 50-50, but now she's getting slack and unable to pay her half of the mortgage. What should I do? I don't want to ruin our relationship, but I can't afford to pick up her half. Yeah, well, this is always a tricky one. I guess if you go in with family and friends and things like that, sometimes people have different expectations of how it's going to operate. I think um, clear, concise communication is the first thing I think you need. I think you need to sit down with your sister and you need to say that this is not a uh, tenable situation to uh, carry on long term and you need to just sit down and work out the responsibilities that you both took on when you um, uh, first endeavoured or, or took on the responsibility of mortgages. I mean, they're incredibly important. And obviously, if one person doesn't pay the mortgage, then effectively it can reflect badly on the other party and also both parties' credit ratings. So there's no, there's no simple solution, but I think good good uh, communication tends to solve about 80% of problems. Thank you. Dave, uh, good morning. You've got a question for Matt? Yes, um, I'm thinking about putting my house on the market. Um, I've done as much maintenance and putting things good, carpet, new handles in kitchen, et cetera, et cetera. What kind of price would you put it on the market for maybe compared to the rateable value, which was done, I think, last September? Yeah, well, unfortunately, the rateable values have become a little bit like jewellery valuations in Wellington Central at the moment. They are staggeringly high, and they, I don't think, uh, bear much reality as to where the market value is. My recommendation is that you choose maybe three real estate agents and try and get some uh, thoughts on who you think is good. Get them each to give you an appraisal of where they see market value and also their their suggested marketing approach in terms of yielding you the highest price. Just coming back to the points you made as well, in terms of getting the highest price you can, often it's good to stage your property. If you're living in it yourself, then sometimes that's not possible. But um, declutter and minimise and make sure that visually everything's as good as possibly can be. And number one rule that an old friend of yours told me when he sold my house 30 years ago, Tommy Heppenstall, he says the most important thing you can do when you put your house on the market is to clean the windows. Of course, yeah, all that visual <laughs> stuff. So get um, uh, declutter is a huge one. People don't realise when they live in houses, sometimes they just have a lot of personal effects 
and it can make a space look a lot smaller. So uh, in this case, genuinely, less is more. Okay. Cool. Oh, great. Does that help okay. you, Dave? Yes, it does. Yeah, yeah, good advice. Thanks a lot. No C- problem. Certainly don't focus on those GVs, though, because I'm seeing probably uh, maybe four out of five properties sell below GVs at the moment, and really they're just a rating number on, on which the the council gathers taxes and, and rates. So focus more on choosing the right real estate agents to get you the best result. Okay, I've got one other quick text. Okay. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate you calling in. 0800 80 1080 is the number if you do want to call and ask Matt Ryan any questions at all. Uh, you know, he can give you some advice. Even if, you, if you're a bit nervous and want to use another name or something, do that or text us 9292. Another text came in. Matt, my flat is starting to have maintenance issues, but the landlord is completely ignoring me. He's such a nice guy, um, so I'm not sure what to do. Well, you know, that's always tricky, I guess, if you, it's, and it's good to hear that you you think your landlord's a, a nice person. I think probably, as I said, good, a, a bit like the last person that talked about the responsibility of paying the mortgage, I think you just need good, clear, concise um, communication. So basically, maybe ring your landlord and say, look, we're, we really like you as a landlord, we love living here, but these are some of the things that we really need to get done, and if we can't get them done voluntarily, then obviously we won't have much choice but to escalate things to the tenancy tribunal and see if they can uh, mediate and assist in our position. And most landlords will understand, I think, when they hear that coming, that they need to take this seriously. Matt, um, government's celebrating Healthy Homes Initiative, saying it has uh, drastically was a um, huge success and it's, you know, amazing that's doing so well. What are your thoughts? Oh, I think that's probably correct. I mean, as you probably realise, Nick, I haven't had... Uh, a huge amount of positive things to say about the current government, but I do believe that the Healthy Homes Initiative has been very positive on the main part and it's leading to a drier, healthier New Zealand. And that's got to be good for everybody. I mean, we don't want to have a country where, you know, um, we're living in substandard homes. And if you if you go back 20 years ago, that's probably the reality of where we're at. A lot of, you, you, especially some of these um, flats down in places like Dunedin where Scarfies, it was, you know, colder uh, it was colder inside their, some of their flats than it was outside. So I think the dramatic improvement in the quality of New Zealand houses is something that we should recognise as being a particularly good thing. As a very large uh, and uh, property owner with lots of rental stock, how much does it cost you? Oh, it's uh, co- colossal. I think I bought something like 85 heat pumps in one go. And I was just talking to my accountant the other day, and he said um, last year, he said your expenses were astronomical last year compared to some of the previous years. And a lot of that's just simply around healthy homes. So I, I haven't actually worked out the exact amount, but it's a very expensive exercise, there's no question. But, you know, at the same token, you know, a, a stitch in time saves nine and... Um, you know, these improvements are going to be good for the next 50 years and unquestionably, regardless of the cost, it's what New Zealand and it's what New Zealand uh, Wellington needed. Got a text that just come in. Uh, uh, hi, Nick. Uh, could you ask, Matt, I'm, uh, want like to subdivide my property from one to three. It's uh, not a good time to do it now or, or is it a good time to do it? How would I sort out the, the finance with the banks are not willing to finance it? Thanks, Ash. Well, it's probably not necessarily a bad time to do it now, Ash. Um, because there's a long lead time into these things, uh, sometimes if you if you actually do it when the market's pumping as such, by the time you've got through your subdivision, you'll find that the market may well have changed and you're back into a into market that's lulling a little bit. So I don't necessarily think it's a bad time to do it now. It depends 
what your goals are, whether you're after you're going to subdivide it, whether you're going to sell those pieces of land or whether you're going to uh, maybe land bank them for a while or if you're going to actually build on them. So it's a bit hard to know exactly your goal. In terms of uh, trying to fund that sort of stuff, I mean, I guess the be- all I can suggest is if you put a really good business plan towards the bank and you show them that the value or the cost of subdividing it is, is um, relatively small given the increased value, then the banks will often say, okay, well, if we've got a security also against the new subdivided piece of land, then obviously we're immeasurably better off. Um, so you really just need to write a particularly good business case to your bank or alternatively, of course, go and talk to a mortgage broker. Matt, there's another text here. Matt, I need to get a registered valuation for a financing of a new build. Is it worthwhile getting more than one? Is the first question. Do you see much variation between different valuers is the second part? And I worry they won't fully understand the quality of the end product and landscaping. How can I clearly demonstrate it's not a premium product? Um, okay, well, great questions there. Thank you. Um, the first thing I'd say is that often if you're having to do this with finance, what's happened of recent times is there's a company called Velocity. and They went around all the banks and said, look, we'll handle we'll handle valuations from here on in, and that way no owners will be able to talk to valuers direct or pick a valuer that they like and get maybe an artificially high valuation. So they've cornered much of the market. So you want to check to make sure that you're not going to be, um, you're not going to go ahead and get a valuation and then find out that that valuation has no uh, effective value because the company, the finance company or the bank won't use it. That's the first thing I'd say. Uh, secondly, um, uh, sorry, just remind me, the second question I think was, is it worth getting is, a second one? Is it because, is it, yeah, worth getting a second valuation? Well, there's, oh, I think you asked the question, is there much difference between valuers? The question is, there's night and day, unfortunately, between valuations. It's literally uh, people's perception of what the value is. And I've seen some situations where valuations can easily um, easily differ by, say, up to 20% in some instances. So, it just really depends on a valuer's perspective on how they see it. And obviously, again, what sort of, in your instance, with something like this, you need to make to make them or try and help them understand where the value is in terms of the end product. And I think that the key part to that, to, to reiterate it, was that you need to get a valuer that the bank will, will take because it's several times I've done valuations and taken to the bank and they say, look at the valuer and they say, actually, we don't use that valuer, go and use this one, which is kind of weird. Really, yeah, correct. All the banks have what they call panel valuers, uh, first and foremost, but they most of them seem to have moved to this velocity system, which is, means when you need to get a valuation, you hand it to the bank and they choose, or they go to vel- velocity, and then velocity randomly choose a valuer based on those uh, valuers that are on, on the uh, bank's box as such. And so you get no say as to who that valuer is going to be, and it's designed to make it completely independent so that you don't have it, you can't influence what the valuer, uh, or who the valuer might be. <laughs> yeah, and that been done before. Thanks, Matt. I appreciate you coming in this morning. It's fabulous. Uh, Matt Ryan, our resident property expert. If you enjoyed this podcast, you will love our New Zealand Herald podcast, The Little Things, hosted by me, Francesca Rudkin, and my good friend, Louise Airy. We focus on all the little things that you can do to make a positive impact on your life and to cut through the confusion from the health and wellness industry. Join us every Saturday to hear from the experts for all the tips and advice you need. Just search The Little Things on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts.